Good morning, afternoon, evening, whatever time of day it is where you're listening, and welcome to the ROI Podcast, presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business, located on the IUPUI campus in downtown Indianapolis. We have got the Associate Dean of the Kelly School, Phil Powell, next to me here today. Phil, how's it going? Shane, I'm doing well. We're starting to wind down 2017, aren't we? We are. It's hard to believe that a year has gone by and that this podcast is about nine months old now. It's amazing. Amazing. Time flies. Time does fly. Well, today, Phil, we're going to be talking about the future of manufacturing in this country. And I know this is something that you're really passionate about and have a lot of interest in. But, you know, we always hear about jobs, jobs, jobs on the campaign trail and politics, right? Well, I'm from Kokomo, Indiana, where auto manufacturing is vital to that community. So I'm fairly, um, you know, exposed to this. And what I've noticed and what we're noticing all around the country and all, you know, here in Indiana as well, is there's a shift happening right now, a shift that really it's a double-edged sword in many ways. And if we can, Phil, let's go back to last year. It became clear that the best way to stay competitive and protect the business for long term is to move production from our facility in Indianapolis to Monterey, Mexico. When it made national news that Carrier, an air conditioning and refrigeration manufacturer here in Indianapolis, would be eliminating 1,400 jobs and moving those to Mexico. You remember that, don't you? You know, Shane, I do remember. You know, uh, this is right after the election, and it was one of the first pieces of economic news Trump brought to the forefront in trying to save the jobs here in in Indianapolis at the Carrier plant. And uh, he was partially successful. But it did bring to the forefront this conversation about manufacturing, employment, and those jobs leaving, and and absolutely— and actually those jobs coming back, which has been a centerpiece of some of the economic policy that we've seen from the administration. As Kelly School Professor of Operations Management, Mohan Tatakanda has said from the beginning, what we saw with Carrier and Trump a year ago was just a one-off. Outsourcing is always going to happen. We can put in place regulations and laws and other mechanisms to sort of slow it down if that were a good idea, but ultimately work flows to where it is done at lowest cost and best. It's almost inevitable. Um, And we shouldn't actually be against that because if work flows to some other place, it frees up our folks to work on more valuable things. So that's the issue with outsourcing. But Mohan says outsourcing isn't the main contributor to job loss. The biggest reason for manufacturing job losses is technological progress. Greater efficiency in plants and supply chains and um, uh, in the offices. Uh, These days, a bugaboo is, is robotics and automation and to some degree AI, artificial intelligence. And um, for anyone who is threatened or displaced by technological substitution, believe me, it's stressful, it's mind-blowing, and it is a very present and real problem. But if we step back as a matter of humankind, we've always had technological progress. We want it. It makes society better. Um, Think back to the Gutenberg Press. Before that... How were books written? 
the the story is, you know, monks would sit in these rooms and they would have all these different markers and pens and, and paintbrushes and they would literally write a book. So those monks were displaced and jobless when we had printing presses. Um, I don't know about monk job trends across the world, uh, but I'm going to guess that uh, those monks were very successfully redeployed to other things like maybe counseling people in the community. So what Mohan is saying, Phil, is that this is a matter of technological progress, which is a good thing for the most part, right? Yes. And Shane, think about this. There are only two types of manufacturing. There's traditional labor-intensive manufacturing, which is, was the core of 20th century economic growth in, in the United States. But those are the jobs we are losing overseas because of lower wages. It's because the skill that's demanded is not that advanced. Um, however, then there's the newer advanced manufacturing. And this is where the processes are highly automated. And even though it's highly automated, people still work in the plant. But the talent in those plants have to deal with a lot more complexity, have to have a lot more skill, a lot more training. And they're not the traditional production line jobs that we had in the 1950s and 60s. And we can't forget that machinery is just that, a machine. In the end, robots are not going to take all of our jobs. Somebody has to watch the robots. And I know Mohan had some insight about this. You know, this issue of lower cost, is it's not about a 10% difference in wages. It's a 10 times difference in wages, sometimes even greater. Um, so any product that has a, a non-trivial amount of labor content um, can be produced uh, at lower cost uh, elsewhere if the work is simple, easy to, to move somewhere else. But then there's the kind of work that is more complicated. Uh, it often requires greater skills. It requires uh, workers who interact with automation and machinery. You know, a computer or a robot is just that. It's a thing. It's a tool. But somebody has to program it. Somebody has to set it up to do the right thing. Someone has to make sure it continues to do work well. Um, someone has to set it up so that it communicates appropriately with other parts of, of, of the factory and other robots and other aspects of the supply chain. Um, and these are, um, there are human beings who do these things, um, but they require different skills and, and typically more training. What's key here, if we care about retaining and growing manufacturing jobs and other higher wage jobs, is that we have to, our companies, need to produce products and services that are highly differentiated, that compete on features that others don't provide, that are more responsive and customizable to uh, consumer needs, and so forth. We can't have our companies working on making commodity-style products that compete on minimum cost where the effort is always to squish out the last penny. That kind of work where we're squishing out the last penny is the kind of work that is most easiest to move elsewhere and is the kind of work that is most e easiest to automate. So if I'm picking up what Mohan is saying here, it's that as a nation, we need to stop trying to compete with other countries on purely cost and wages, but rather let's 
go upstream, right? Let's let's go focus on that more uh, disruptive approach where we innovate and create jobs that require high skill that aren't as easy to replace and that we can really master right here in the United States. Exactly, Shane. This underscores the issue of developing an educated labor force who can manage these machines, program these machines, supervise the robots, and overall be involved with the, with the process of innovation. But there's always public policy that can be put in place to accelerate this development of talent. Uh, advanced innovation, continuous innovation, features and capabilities that, that other products and services don't have. If we're going to make those, we will have a higher wage manufacturing jobs. We know that there are some companies that do this. The question then becomes, why aren't more companies competing on an innovation basis and trying to make products and services that garner higher margins? It's all about incentives. It's fundamental economics. And what we find in some companies is that instead of using their current profits to further invest in themselves and invest in R&D and new product development and new service development and new market development, some companies are taking their profits and instead using them to buy their shares back. This is the the infamous share buyback issue. Um, And share buybacks are complicated. I'd be happy to talk about it a a little bit more. Um, But it's about incentives and priorities and company executives in some situations are prioritizing buyback of shares, which rewards investors and shareholders, but then uses up that money, which otherwise could have been used towards internal innovation and workforce development. So as a manager, an employee, an executive, whatever your position may be, focus on creating value for the customer and providing a better product for that customer through an entrepreneurial mindset. As we've heard, Professor Mohan Tatakanda, Professor of Operations Management here at the Kelly School, has devoted his career to research in this area. And time and time again, his insights have revealed that this is the way to go. So we need to have this entrepreneurial mindset and a willingness to experiment and innovate. We need to try uh, to increase the value of our products and services through additional features, different capabilities, um, faster response to to customers, ways to customize it to each customer instead of it being kind of an an off-the-shelf thing uh, and so forth. So this goes throughout the company. This is from top to bottom, bottom to top, um, thinking with openness about new ideas and willingness to experiment and willingness to fail because that's part of the learning process instead of just doing the same old thing again and again and slightly better. So it's revenue maximization or revenue growth by by higher margins. And if we're going to be in a higher wage economy, that's the only way we'll be able to compete. You know, one of the things that I thought was really interesting that Mohan was saying, and that just a lot of people have not picked up really yet here in the United States, is that when we develop these jobs, which do require a higher skill, higher education, it's you can't just outsource those type of jobs out to China, the Philippines, wherever it may be. I mean, when you have a specific set of skills that only a certain number of people can do, that's ultimately going to lead to higher wages, 
more job growth and job security at the end of the day. It's a matter of shifting our, our focus here. Absolutely, Shane. Ultimately, education is our economic security. And so the challenge here is to not be afraid of advanced manufacturing, not be afraid of automation, but to embrace it and to shift our training of workers so that they can oversee that automation. It's no different than when we went from horses to tractors. Now it just so happens we're putting a robot in the driver's seat. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of the ROI podcast. And we want to send a special thank you to Professor of Operations Management and Scholar in Process Innovation, Mohan Tatakonda, always bringing a wonderful insight to the conversation about advanced manufacturing and manufacturing in general. And also, we want to ask that you subscribe to the ROI podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know how we're doing. And also, if you have any ideas for us about content you would like for us to discuss, we would love to hear from you. Other than that, we'll talk to you all next week here on the ROI podcast.